Sinners and Saints, dust off those horns and halos. It's time for Alec After Dark. Word up, fam. It's your boy, Alan, coming at you on the weekend before Valentine's Day. Happy bloody... Oh, fuck me. This is sucking already, isn't it? Happy fucking bloody Valentine's Day. Motherfuckers, I hate this goddamn holiday. Boy, do I sound fucking bitter already. That's because I am, bitches. Sweet Jesus. After that tirade, I think I'll calm down just a little bit. I should be calmer anyway. I'm a little high. I'm a little drunk. I'm a little pissed off. That's always a great combination for a podcast, isn't it? I don't know. I just had this image uh, on Valentine's Day being a single guy, having everybody's love being shoved in my face like I'm some sort of invalid, orphaned bitch that's been left behind by Noah and the Ark. Okay, that was a Jesus reference, and I guess it was really meant to imply that I'm old, but fuck y'all for that too. It's just one of those things where you'll go out to the club on Valentine's Day, see all the other people who are single, who act like lonely sheep wandering around until the drunk 95-year-old cowboy wannabe comes up to you and says, come on, fuck me. And you have to say, nah, I think I'll go outside and vomit in the parking lot. Sweet Jesus, I am that bitter. I am more bitter than a grapefruit. I am more bitter than an onion. Maybe I should take a shower, a long, hot, steamy shower with some fan porn of Henry Cavill while I suds myself up. I'm sorry, where was I again? Oh, right. How much I fucking hate Valentine's Day. Well, anyway, happy Valentine's Day. I think I've said that three times already, but, you know, I guess one can never say that enough. It's sort of like a trigger phrase for me. It's nowhere near as fun as Halloween. Halloween is scary and fun, whereas Valentine's Day is just scary and not cost-effective. I mean, have you seen what people buy other people that they're in love with? I mean, not just like a box of chocolates, but like roses, jewelry, diamonds, a new car, a facelift, Botox injections, you name it. It is like the end thing to buy someone you love these extravagant gifts on Valentine's Day. I mean, that's new, right? They didn't do it back in the 1940s, right? I'm just saying. So I guess you can tell by now that this is going to be another one of those really fucked up random episodes of Alan After Dark. So feel free to turn the podcast off for this week if you can't handle it. But I assure you, this could be a bigger train wreck than any episode of Jerry Springer. I wouldn't blame you if you didn't know who Jerry Springer is. Actually, That's probably a kudos in your favor. I mean, it was sort of like the World Wrestling Federation meets the real housewives of Bug Tussle, North Carolina, right? 
Just a bunch of white trash hillbillies beating the hell out of each other over who's the father of the baby. And it's her fifth baby with 17 different men. Oh, just do the math. I don't know why I come up with those numbers, but rock with me. Uh, I probably should do some E, shouldn't I? Or X or whatever the fuck it's called now. You know, you can't even do a decent bump of ecstasy anymore out of fear of it being laced with fentanyl. Jesus Christ, it's unsafe to even leave your drink anywhere. Not that you should do that anyway. We've had that conversation before. Remember my little lace with acid incident back in the Stone Age? This is probably all going to be deleted anyway, so I'm just going to run wild with it. It's like doing a 100-yard dash in two seconds. Don't worry, I am clothed tonight. I'm not topless or bottomless or anything. Even though I'd be more pleasant if I was, it's just that I would freeze my balls off. Is this thing even on? Knowing my luck, it's not. Jesus Christ, I should be doing laundry. Anything would be better than thinking about Valentine's Day. God, hammering nails through the palms of my hands would be more fun than Valentine's Day. I'll get off the bashing Valentine's Day kick in just a few minutes. Just bear with me. Be glad that I'm not in the car driving, okay? We would be already into a tree by now. Or a guardrail. Or somebody's bicycle. I don't know. I guess in keeping with the true spirit of Valentine's Day, I can honestly say that I can take myself out. I can date myself on that special night of love and romance. To be quite honest, I'm one of the best lays I've ever had. And that's saying something. I mean, it's no small accomplishment being listed in Google search under things to do. But there I am. Holla, smack my bitch up. It's almost like I'm begging for somebody to give me a hand job or something. Am I? I might be. Are you available? Give me a holla. And I'm cheaper than 20 bucks. I'll do it for a couple of drinks. Damn. Okay. I need to lay off the gummies for a little while, don't I? Sweet mother of Jesus. Apparently, her name was Mary. Did you know that? What if it was Molly? You know where I'm going with that. What are your plans for Valentine's Day? You going out with someone special? You going to blow yourself? Give yourself a hand job? Make sure you have the good lube. I don't think it's such a bad thing to give yourself a hand job on Valentine's Day. Or buy yourself chocolates. Sounds like a pretty reasonable idea to me. Actually, while I'm thinking about it, why not take myself out to my favorite restaurant? Oh, that's right. You'd have to have reservations and all the lovey-dovey couples would be taking all the, the tables. You'd be stuck drinking a beer in the kitchen with the staff. But actually, that sounds like more fun. You know they're having fun back there. Okay, enough is enough. Let's move on to something more fun or dirty or deadly. What are we talking about tonight? Did you know that there is a name for someone who dates themselves? Apparently, it's called auto romantic. I had never thought of such a thing. I was kind of thinking like asexual, but I guess asexual means that you don't have 
really any interest in having sexual encounters with anyone else. And then I thought, maybe unisexual, but that sounds too much like a unicycle, which would be like a one-wheeled bicycle, right? Jesus. Anyway, apparently it's called auto-romantic. And that's a fascinating thing to explore. So by me being single and going out to restaurants by myself, going to the movies by myself, going to the theater by myself, I guess technically that would count as me dating myself and therefore I'm auto-romantic. Yeah, that's some bullshit right there. You know, I remember one time someone asking me if I was bipolar, and my answer didn't give them confidence, apparently. I said, well, I don't think I'm bipolar. I've never really been attracted to the North Pole or the South Pole, so I don't think it's possible. (laughs) This kind of reminds me of the time that this crazy Karen, who just... She just seemed to be repulsed by me, and she was looking at me, sneering, and she said, have you no shame? And I kind of just looked at her, and then I patted my pants pockets, and I said, well, I don't have any shame on me. I could check in the car. (laughs) Needless to say, she didn't find that funny at all. I seem to recall getting the finger, and not in a good way. And a fuck you, I believe, is what she said. But I didn't give a rat's ass at that point. I had had at least three shots of tequila and probably took my pants off at that point. That would explain the shame comment, wouldn't it? Hell's bells at that point, just for spite. I would probably turn cartwheels down the street if the opportunity arose. And I could still turn cartwheels. Fuck you for thinking I'm too old. Go to hell. I think you all thought that the days of Alan After Dark being a train wreck were over. So I guess this episode's a complete surprise. I'll get the car between the ditches here in a few seconds, but I think we're all having too much fun. I know I am. I hope you've got a drink or some gummies or something that you're indulging as you're listening to me. What's the point of me doing this if you're not having a good time or being provoked? How you doing? I would normally say something flirtatious like, want to come to my place? But you all know that that ain't going to happen. I don't let nobody in my place. Oh, sweet Jesus, it's hot up in here. What the hell? I need to get out of these clothes. (laughs) I can hear you all saying, no, you need to keep the clothes on and say something coherent. So in the spirit of being coherent, Let's talk about what a date with me would be like on Valentine's Day. Have you ever seen the movie My Bloody Valentine, the original? Well, in a lot of ways, that's probably how a date with me would turn out. My Bloody Valentine, the movie came out in 1981, and it was a response to the Halloween and Friday the 13th craze that was going on at the time. My Bloody Valentine was just one more addition to a horror movie set on a holiday that normally wouldn't be known for horror. If you haven't seen it, you really need to see the movie. It really is something to behold. You know, it is really a cheesy 
terrible plot, but there's something about it that just is endearing to me. Maybe it's because it is reflective of what a date with me would be like. The basic plot of My Bloody Valentine is this. It's set in a town known as Valentine Bluffs, and they have not had a Valentine's dance in over 20 years because of a terrible accident at the mine in town where five miners left to attend the dance that was happening then, but they forgot to check the methane levels in the mine and there was an explosion that caused one of the tunnels to cave in and trapping miners. Harry Warden was a survivor of the collapse, but it took them so long to get to him that he resorted to cannibalism to survive. And he went insane because of it. The following year, he killed two of the supervisors who had left their post the previous year. He cut out their hearts placed him in Valentine's candy boxes with a note from himself saying that the town should never hold a Valentine's Day dance ever again. If they did, he would kill more people. Harry is sent to an insane asylum where he's expected to stay for the rest of his life. The town moves on, and basically that's just a footnote for history. 20 years later, they finally decide to have another Valentine's dance. The community's all excited about it. They're decorating the whole town in preparation for it. Everything seems fine until the sheriff receives a heart-shaped Valentine box of candy that has someone's heart in it with a note threatening them that if they have the Valentine's dance, that more people will be killed. They try to keep it secret that people are dying, but eventually the mayor calls off the dance without saying that people are being murdered. Anyway, in defiance of the mayor's order, the kids in the town decide to throw a Valentine's party at the mine. Yeah, at the mine. That's just the perfect place for a guy dressed up as a miner with a pickaxe to kill everybody. So for me, it reflects what a date would be like with me on Valentine's. We would go out to dinner, maybe to a party, a dance, where someone would try to kill us with a pickaxe. Just one of those special Hallmark moments. That would be my luck, too. A Valentine's date. It turns out to be Mr. Right. And boom, a guy dressed up as a miner kills him with a pickaxe. I think at that point I would just give up, you know? <laughs> but you got to admit... That scene in the movie when she is boiling hot dogs in the hot water and she reaches the tongs in to, to get a hot dog and she pulls out a cooked heart instead. That was just Hollywood magic, I'm telling you. You know, I wonder, I bet some of you think that my bitterness toward Valentine's Day, basically toward almost every holiday except for Halloween. I wonder if you're you're thinking that my bitterness is actually the real me, resentful that I am single, even though I say that I'm happy being single. I don't know how I could change people's perception of that. How could I convince people that I like being single. Well, actually, I don't feel the need to convince anybody of anything. I know that I'm happy as I am. I guess I don't like the portrayal of single people being incomplete. 
I just don't see that you have to have a partner, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a significant other, a husband, a wife, a thruple, or whatever, to be complete. And I'm sure I've said that before on the podcast, but maybe it bears repeating. I'm happy being single. I just don't necessarily like how marketing, all the commercialism around holidays is geared toward couples or quote-unquote family when there really is such a broad range of what a family is now. There's no way that you could reflect every version of it. I'm not trying to say that businesses or you know commercialism, marketing should ever just be geared toward one group. It's just that sometimes it kind of sucks that you as a single person aren't really being considered for all these things. I'm sure there's a relatively large market that would fall into that category. Isn't it kind of strange how when you have a nine to five job, how the people you work with tend to become the people you're closest with? They become real close friends or enemies or maybe neither, but it's it's an interesting thing to think about that wherever you work, the people that are around you are the ones that technically become the people you're closest to. Even though in my own personal experience, I worked at a company for 19 years and our boss at the time, he wanted to cultivate the sense of family. He wanted us all to be like this great big group of people that loved each other. And it did feel that way. We had a lot of problems and and the weird thing is, and maybe I'll get into it one of these days, there was the feeling that our department was cursed. That's a long story, but the underlying factor was is that we were all close-knit like family. I had traveled with people in the group all the way around the world. And when you are traveling like that, you do become close to people. You learn quickly who you can and can't hang out with. The way I learn the most about a person is if I can travel with them. If I can't travel with you, we're not going to be friends. I'll tell you that. But as the end was coming for us at this company, the company still thrives. They just chose to get rid of our department and move the jobs elsewhere. I remember one of my last heavy discussions with my boss before the end came. I was expressing my frustration with the company, with him, that they weren't considering the damage they were doing not only to us as individuals and our futures, but what it was doing to the company. We were a well-oiled machine. We did damn good work, very efficiently and very effectively, high quality. But the, the company had decided just to go in this different direction and they didn't care that they weren't going to save money or increase efficiency. In fact, they were gonna lose money and lose efficiency but they were determined to do it. And when I challenged my boss about this, he had the nerve to say, after 19 years, it's just a job, Alan. And I was dumbstruck by his response. And I said, 
after all these years of you trying to cultivate this family environment, that we were more than just co-workers, that we were friends and family, you have the nerve to say it's just a job? And he basically shrugged. So it was that point when I realized that it didn't matter to them. He was trying to save his own ass and, and keep his position with the company safe, even if it meant losing all of us, he was willing to do that. And I get it. I get it. If I was in that situation, I'd probably have done the same thing. I don't know that I could rest at night or sleep at night knowing what was going to happen to 80 people, but there you have it. So I decided to seek a job elsewhere. And lucky for me, I found a position that I was excited about and I wanted and I got it. I can remember when I went in to tell him that I was giving my notice, that I had landed the job that I wanted, his reaction was once again like we were supposed to be faithful to him even though the company was going to destroy us. And he just said, I failed as a boss. And I'm like, I won't say it that way, but you made it easy for me to decide to leave when you said it's just a job. And he kind of shrugged and said, well, I guess I don't have a response to that. And two weeks later, I left a company that I had been with for 19 years. It was the hardest thing I had to do. Other managers, when they left, they were getting dinners at the fanciest steakhouse that we had in town. They were getting treated with gift cards and amazing things. And I thought, wow, after 19 years, my boss is really going to do me right. And he sure did. I got a card signed by everybody and a chicken biscuit. Yeah, a chicken biscuit from the Jesus Chicken Place, the place that I despise most. And I think he knew that. It was almost like he did it for spite. Although I can't prove that. That's just my paranoid delusion, right? I guess what I'm getting at is that no matter how hard you try in whatever avenue of your life, there, there are going to be difficulties. Whether you're single or married or dating, whether it's your home life, your work life, there are always challenges. It doesn't mean that one is better or worse than the other. It means that whatever you're doing is what's working for you. Now, I agree. There are some people that are absolutely obsessed with being in a relationship. They just crave it. And I kind of understand that. But I think all of us, we need to dig down to see what are the driving forces behind those wishes, those desires. Are you wanting to have a relationship, to have a partner, an equal person that you grow together, that you build a life together in whatever ways that that happens? Or is it driven by fear? I always go back to that because I've seen it. I've thought it myself. There was a time when I was really struggling financially. I was in huge trouble. I was out on my own and I wasn't making much money and everything was just like, it was hand to mouth. I had to hold on until the next paycheck and it was scary. I would cross my fingers sometimes at the ATM machine hoping that I would have $20 to buy me some groceries that would last for a week. 
And when I was trying to decide on what I could do to get out of this financial mess, do you know what the first thing I thought of was? Well, there's this guy that really likes me and he has money. I could settle down with him and get myself out of this mess over time. That's just terrible. I mean, the more I think about that, how horrible would that be using him just to get myself out of financial trouble? But you know what? Desperate times leads to desperate measures and desperate thoughts. So obviously I never did that, but I would be a hypocrite if I said I didn't think about it. And I did think about it a lot, very seriously. I knew that I could call him and go out on a date with him and start dating him. He really did like me a lot, and I could have done that. But I took the harder route. Well, no, I didn't. I took the regular route and got a second job, and at one point thought about a third job, but fortunately I didn't have to do that. But I did the two jobs, and I did those two jobs for 10 years. And I got myself out of my financial mess and got my education, and now I'm doing okay. And here I am talking to you guys on Allen After Dark. So in the long run, I can say that I did make the right decision, but I do understand why some people make the decisions they make. I just wish that we all could look at the reasons why. In thinking about it, I believe that's why I have such a bitterness toward Valentine's Day, that it's so it's so manipulative. It's marketed commercially toward couples to get them to spend money to express and prove their love when basically you prove your love every day by existing with that person, by sleeping with them, by sharing a bed, by sharing meals, by sharing life. And I guess especially in American culture, we always define things, don't we, by how much we've spent on the other person. We put a price tag on our feelings, on our love. We have allowed our society to become capitalism. I mean, if your love is defined by how big your bank account is, then I guess we should all try to marry Taylor Swift. Thank you for joining me in this train wreck of an episode of Alan After Dark. I hope you have fun and I hope you've been entertained. Remember, take life by the balls and be my bloody Valentine. 